Katie, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Thank you, Jordan, for having me. I'm excited to be here. That's awesome. How are things down in Miami? Uh, they are hot and humid, but they're good. <laughs> yeah, it gets that way this time of year. I used to, as a youngin, go to Miami for my birthday right around this time of year. It's like a young kid like go to Ultra with his friends like when he's like 20. Yeah. And, uh, so I haven't <laughs> been there in a while, but I'm sure it's super nice, but it's probably getting around that like hot and humid these days yeah i think we just finished up with the like music festival so it was definitely like a wild people everywhere but i think do, it's common do you go do you is that your thing no, I, I hide in my gym nice yeah, don't blame <laughs> you at all yeah those times have passed for me yeah. Cool. Cool. So I, I like to give, uh, you know, people, first of all, it's funny, as I was thinking about giving you this introduction, I was like, well, people who know me, but don't know you are probably people that are living under a rock, but let's say they don't know you. It's kind of this thought of like, if you listen to this podcast, why would I want to have you on? It's like always a thought that I'm, that I think is important to start with. It's like, why, why would I want to have you on? Which if people don't already know, again, living a little bit under a rock. But as I was thinking about this, I thought it was a little bit unfair to say that you're you're so confident in yourself. And I think that that's such a, a bit of a cop-out, um, you know, assuming that that's always the case, that you're always in that mindset and that you don't have down days and you don't have, you know, days where you struggle with confidence. But I do think that on some level, you do give off that aura and it's very infectious in, in that way, almost in a way that like more than being fit or ripped or muscular or healthy, like is deep down the thing that people really want is this like just confidence and owning who you are and so obviously your content on training and stuff is something we are going to talk about and is really great but it is that I mean I'm sure you hear this uh, you know you were on the podcast with the two friends of mine Natalie and, and Heidi on their podcast and we were talking about you and it's just like that that aura of confidence and this like I don't give a fuck attitude that I think people really not only gravitate towards but on some level is what is kind of what people really want maybe out of fitness it's kind of like the real end of all ends is like this feeling of confidence and so i really think you exude that really well and again we, we'll, i do want to kind of poke around and see if that is something that you struggle with i think you do talk about it on your page but i do think um you know you come across as a very confident person that is something that people are going to be drawn to for sure thank you i appreciate that um yeah, we can dive more into that now, or if you want. Well, wanna... I'd love for I'd love to hear a bit more about your background because I followed you for okay. a long time, but I don't know if I could explain where you've come from. Where I could I know a bit about your training principles and all of that, but I'm curious where that was, where that's all come from, and how that's evolved over time. So just a little backstory would be awesome. Yeah, so my name's Katie. I am a fitness coach based out of Miami, Florida. I own a gym here um, where I train a bunch of women. And then I also own an online training platform and program called TWK or Train with Katie, um, where we have thousands of women doing this training program that I've built. Um, so my background, I come from a sports background. I basically was playing sports my entire life. Um, I actually was a gymnast from the age of nine to 13 and I was tiny, four foot 11, 90 pounds. And now I'm six foot, 185, 190 pounds. So I'm like double the size that I was then. Um, but so after I quit gymnastics, I kind of hit this growth spurt. And basically that time was hard for me. I lost a ton of confidence in myself and just my identity is like a small little person. I just completely changed physically. So that time was hard for me. I mean, just like anyone else, puberty is awkward and 
not fun for anyone, but <laughs> it was like double just because I was like shooting up in size. Um, so then it was in college where I started exploring in the gym more and I just like felt like I found my place there and I started slowly but surely step by step just like coming into my own and like feeling empowered by the weights and really just finding myself and learning to own my size and and own my strength um so i in college i was like i need to make this my thing like this is where i belong in the gym i want to work with people i want to help people feel this way um so i pursued full-time trainer at a gym called equinox which you might be familiar with. They have a few down in Miami. So that's why I, I graduated from University of Florida, University of Florida in Gainesville at 22 and right away moved here in Miami to work at Equinox as a trainer. So that's how I ended up in Miami. Um, worked at Equinox for a little over a year. And then in that time, I was kind of starting to build the idea of Train with Katie and then finally launched it a year later. And we've been kind of going at that since. Um, so Train with Katie was born almost like five and a half, six years ago now. Yeah. And then in that time, I built the gym too. So that's a little bit more on my process to where I'm at. Yep, cool. And <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen your gym on Instagram and stuff like that. It looks like a yeah. cool place. Definitely has all the things that you would want that I can tell also align with kind of the way you program. And so that's yeah. super awesome. Are you training people in person there? Yes, I am. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah, that's definitely one of my values as a coach is that I will always train people in person, online and in person, I think are both very important to give time to. Has the, as like one of them, as one of them has grown, has the other shrunk a little bit? Have you moved, like you used to do a lot more in person, now you're just like keeping it there because you think it's a skill you want to maintain or is it something that you're yeah, pushing hard? Sure. For sure. Sorry, Glutes is barking at someone else. Bye. Um, yeah, so as my online program has taken off more, I've been able to scale back a little bit with in-person, like at Equinox, um, you're, I was like slaving away trying to make it as a trainer, which is common when you're first starting any business, really. Um, but I would live at the gym for 12 hours, and it was definitely exhausting. But again, I think that's the standard when you're starting as a trainer. You're gonna, you should expect to spend the entire day there. Um, but yeah, as Train with Katie took off, I was able to pull back and now I can be more selective with my time with the in-person clients. But it is a coaching is a skill. So if I were to stop doing it, like when the pandemic hit and I shut the gym down for three months, I remember coming back in and and like feeling so rusty. I was like, I forget how to coach people and I, I don't want to ever lose that skill. So that's why I continue to do it every week. Yeah. And I love it. Maybe it's a bias. I think people would, I think the idea of like, there's a sentiment out there of like, oh, you got to train people in person before you go online. And that is, that is my background as well. Personal training for like 10 years before even dipping my toe in at all online. And as much as I, I want, I will actually agree probably that it is probably a fallacy that you need to train people in person. My bias is that I think that there are skills that I have, maybe just interpersonal skills, maybe just like a real understanding of how the average person who works in a desk job eight hours a day really moves and what they might really need. And so I feel like I have skills that have come from that that might be uniquely coming from having done that. But I think uh, there are plenty of good coaches out there who didn't do that. But personally, and you probably agree that there are skills that you're grateful for from from taking from in person. 
For sure. I think when you get that experience of working with general population, real people that have real jobs and they come in exhausted and you learn how to work with them, like that's, it's real people, it's real life. And I, and you can better help people on the internet if you have those skills. So I think it's both, both to do. I agree. I want to circle back to this time where you quit gymnastics. How long, you know, what, what was, why did you quit? And how long was it before you found weightlifting and and what brought you first into the gym what was the thing that like was like all right i'm gonna go on day one like what was the thing that pulled you in so i quit gymnastics because i couldn't mentally handle it and that is something that i have experienced and we can talk more about this too with training and it's completely impacted my mindset and basically all things that i coach now um working on your mindset so you can stay in it because i i mentally could not handle the sport how old were you i was i i was 13 when i quit and it's crazy intense by then yeah 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 you go i like wanted to quit school and like (laughs) just do gymnastics all day it's like all you're all in and it's like the normal culture there like kids are homeschooled because they want to be in the gym more like i never really i like didn't eat dinner with my family most nights because i was at the gym um, but yeah, I mentally could not handle it because I put pressure on myself and I was, the expectation was, cause I got really good at first. It's kind of like comparing it to newbie gains in the gym. You get really fucking good year one, your, your physique transforms, your strength takes off. And then all of a sudden year two hits and everything's kind of slowing down and you're freaking out and you can't mentally handle it. So that was similar to what I went through with gymnastics. It got really good at first. And then all of a sudden it slowed down, maybe got a little bit worse, couldn't mentally handle the ebbs and flows. And so I quit. Um, and then after that, I, I did cheerleading because that was like the most similar transition. And then after that, I ended up picking up lacrosse because I needed to play some sort of sport and cheerleading wasn't really resonating with me anymore because I was, I like couldn't tumble the same because I was now growing. Um, but yeah, in, in the, in college, when I picked up, when I started going to the gym, I remember when I first started, the main like motivation was so I could just like not blow up like the freshman 15 and like, <laughs> like, I wanted to like drink beer on the weekends. Like it kind of was just that mentality. Like I would go in, I would do, I thought my legs were too big. So I refused to lift anything leg wise. So I would do like 30 minutes on the elliptical and then I'd grab like five pound dumbbells and do some arm stuff. Cause I wanted the toned arms. I would literally, I did that. That's like, that was year one for me. And then somewhere in my like senior year of college, I was like, I want to like grow like some legs. Like I want to grow some wheels. I want to get strong. I was like, look, I remember looking at like strong women on like Pinterest. And I was like, I want to look like that. Like they just look strong and powerful. So was there somebody that you remember like an actual person that was like one of those inspirations of like, ah, shit, man, this, this chick looks badass. I never had like one inspiration. I remember, I don't know why it was Pinterest. Like, I don't know. Maybe this was before like Instagram was really a thing. Um, which makes us like sound so old. True. <laughs> I always remember um, like Dana Lynn Bailey, like just being like the first, I don't know if she's, she's not like, that's not even a, too much of a throwback, but I just remember the first time being, holy shit, like this, 
was someone who was like completely i mean obviously she's like a, the pinnacle of of leanness and muscularity but i just remember that being like one of the first names that jumped to mind when you were talking when i was like that would be somebody that i remember being like holy shit this is a woman who's like just to yeah. the nth degree of course but could be inspiring in some way you know yeah and it was it wasn't even like like of course what they looked like was like powerful with their muscle and stuff but it was the way that they held themselves like you can just tell that they felt good about themselves and i was like i want to feel like that and i i literally felt like that as soon as i stepped into the gym and like got my hands on a barbell like it wasn't like some like strength like some pr number hit that made me feel that way it was just the daily process of showing up and getting a little bit better a little bit stronger over time and that's that's what i'm always teaching my team too yeah, I, I am. I've said this a zillion times, so excuse the listener, but um, that I always felt that my falling in love with the gym was because it was the first place or at least the place that I felt really like with like tangibly where I was getting out exactly what I was putting in. And it, there was nothing subjective. There was like, hey, you eat the food, you lift the weights, you show up and the shit works. It's not like there's a subjective grading system here it's like if you show up we lift the weights you're consistent with it eat the food like you're gonna grow that's the same for everybody yeah we have just different genetics and like rate of muscle growth potential and you know sealing a muscle fine sure but we all like move along that path in the same way by lifting the weights showing up on the day-to-day eating enough protein eating enough calories sleeping enough and so it felt like this thing where i was like well if i just do these things consistently i'm seeing a return on that investment which i felt was like a connection made for maybe the first time in my life at that point yeah, I always say like my one of the things I always say is like good things come to those who show up. Like I'm just constantly preaching, showing up because the work works if you put in the work. And it is it's getting those people to like really trust that it will work. Yep. I have and- recently launched a group program and in in my like I mean, you do this, I'm sure too, you battle with like, how complex am I going to make this program versus how much am I sticking to the basics? How much am I going to gear some of this towards like mental stimulation versus how much am I going to gear this towards like what is physiologically optimal? And at the end of the day, I find myself always like coming back to center and thinking like, hey, if I get someone to just train hard and progress or try to progress and consistently show up because they're enjoying it and consistently just try to do something more occasionally, whatever sort of micro progression that might be, that like all the other like little nuancey pro- programming things, like they, it's not that they don't matter. It's just that they matter a whole lot less yeah. when you get those like big, big boxes checked. Exactly. Stick to the basics. Um, there's power in community too. Like if you're doing like a, that's probably the biggest thing that I've learned through this Train with Katie program is there's so much power in community and seeing other people being leaders and mentors and and they've been in it and they show you that the work works and it inspires you to stick to it and they all just feed off of each other. Like I wasn't, when I set out to do Train with Katie, I was just like, I just wanna create a really good training program, teach people about the basics, progressive overload, help them improve their technique, help them stay consistent, but like, the community aspect has been huge in getting people to like really stick to this for the long term. Yeah, I just I think we're I'm six months in right now. Maybe maybe it's like our fifth mesocycle or something. And I was you know whatever I go through like Edmonton flows like we all do in confidence like and, and like imposter syndrome is a term that gets thrown around a lot but like just occasionally being like hmm what am i doing a good job am i doing a good job and there was a first time when somebody had asked a question that was like pretty intricate i'm pretty intricate for like the average like group question it was like something about uh rir or something like that and somebody else in the group who i know had been with it for a long time like gave this like unbelievable answer i was like i'm not sure what jordan would say but and i was like 
And I told, I remember telling my, my fiance about it. And I was like, wow, like that to me was like such an affirmation of like, you're doing a good job. Here's someone who's yeah. learned it, who can articulate it. And I did, I just sat there and I watched and the whole like power and community was like super underrated yeah. to me and is now no longer underrated. I think it's yeah. fucking awesome. Yeah. I, that's been a huge thing that I've noticed too in my group. It's like year one to two, I was answering everything. And then, and then you have these girls that stick around for years and, and they chime in now. So like, it's like, like we're like the leaders and like yeah. the program, but like, it's so much, it's bigger than us. Like it's, it's, it's the community now. Everyone's contributing to it. Yeah. So I love that. All right, yeah. let's pivot to our first discussion here. We want to talk about, I want to talk about confidence and it sounds like a weird word. Uh, you know, it sounds like a weird question that I'm going to ask, but I think people come to your page and interact with you or your community for the first pro first time. And it's like, if I just like, whatever I do before I have a, somebody on the podcast, I just browse their content, just like binge it, just like go from like the, you know, the last hundred posts and consume as much as I can to like get to know you and stuff to talk about. And the first thing I thought was like, damn, she confident, you know, like she isn't afraid to like, just be who she is. And whether that's, you know, good days or bad days, it is you 100% through and through transparent. Um, and so the question that I'll ask is what is confidence and how are you, we'll start with what is confidence, but we're talking about how are you so confident and what do you do sometimes when you don't feel that way or how can people get better at it? But, you know, defining confidence, is that something that we'd be comfortable trying to do here? Yeah, I think like as I've grown and evolved, I would define confidence as having my own back. So that's even through the shitty days. And of course I have bad shitty moments and days, um, but true confidence is knowing that I have my back through that. I'm not gonna throw myself under the bus, um, even when I fuck up or make a mistake or do something wrong or, um, I think that a lot of people, like in my early twenties, I used to think confidence was like, just feeling like this, like, sexy goddess all the time and like everything's perfect and and it's not that it's not reality i think confidence is when you have your own back through it all like i know that's a simple super simple answer but that's to me that's truly what that means let's let's look at a, a moment where like because i'm i'm interested personally um Yes. Where you're having a moment of low confidence, you're not feeling like a goddess. And the, the quote that I that I took from one of your pages, I'll read it just so we can talk about it. It was like one of the quotes on your page was right now I feel kind of blah about myself and my life. I don't necessarily feel like a goddess and I definitely don't feel like everything in my life is perfect. But I know this. I always got my back. I'm always going to figure it out. And so when you say I always got my back, what is that? What is something that you do for yourself or say to yourself or remind yourself that kind of doesn't let yourself maybe spiral into that really, really negative self-deprecating zone? Or what are some of those things that you might say or do that you find very helpful in that way? Yeah, I think like we could use like a bad body image day. Like maybe you're looking in the mirror and you're like, I don't necessarily love what I'm seeing today. Maybe I'm bloated or I ate like shit the night before or I didn't sleep well or whatever. My hair looks bad. Um, to me, it's like still wearing what I want to wear anyways, or like not just like spending time in the mirror, picking myself apart. Like, let's move the fuck on. We got shit to do. Whereas like in my early twenties, it was like, I'm going to sit here and pick myself apart or I'm going to hide in a baggy t-shirt. Um, so that's one simple example. Um, that's a great another yeah, another example in the gym could be like, cause I work with tons of women that are like the hardest workers in the room and they, and they want to, they want to PR on everything and 
Um, but that's not the reality of training. It ebbs and flows. Our strength ebbs and flows. Um, so let's say you like fail a lift or you, or you just, you're moving like shit one day and you got to drop all the weight. Um, confidence is being able to let that go and, and, and just making the smartest decision, pull the weight off the bar. Don't think any less of yourself and keep moving forward. Whereas like a few years ago, I would like sit there and pout, pout and like doubt myself and doubt my program and, and everything if it wasn't working out exactly how I expected it to. Yeah. I think, I think of it in this way of like this, like two, this like two leveled self-awareness. And the first level is like this, like knee jerk emotional response that you have. Maybe it's the mirror where you're like, if you're having just like an icky body image day and that's an emotional response, it's more of a knee jerk. It's more of like a lizard brain subconscious thing that happens right away when you look into the mirror, but there's power in like being able to zoom out and think yeah. about the, think about that feeling and be like, well, w what am I going to do now that I feel this way? Like, what am I going yeah. to act upon based on that feeling? Which is a literal superpower. I don't say it off the cuff like it's something that's easy, you know? Yeah, it, no, it's definitely work and it, and it takes repetition and practice to be able to just like move past these moments and thoughts. Um, but what was I going to say? <laughs> I forget what I was going to okay. say. Sorry. That's good. That's It'll cool. come back. Yeah. So, so what, what did you, uh, I guess growing up, you're like, oh, I'm good at gymnastics. This is a point of, of confidence for me. This is something where I like derive a good feeling. Cause I'm good at it. I was also a young person, good at athletics. And it was like my entire identity. It's where I was deriving all that confidence from. And then it wasn't there anymore for you. Uh, it, you know, for whatever reason, it, it was no longer the thing you wanted to do. And then it was cheerleading and then it wasn't that. And then it was lacrosse and, uh, you know, what 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 these days keeps you feeling super confident and more than that is the discussion of like how can somebody improve upon their confidence or be a more confident person i think learning to stay in it and to stay moving is is the best way to consistently feel good i think like like another example of this would be like you know when we go on vacation and maybe we don't move our bodies and we eat like shit and then we come home and we're like in panic mode because we're like we feel out of routine and we feel like fluffy and we feel like shit not confident and then don't you notice that as soon as you get back into it you feel better like you feel like you have all your power back and like you're no longer panicking like that's like a simple example like stay in it and like that's my biggest thing like i want to i want to create a program and a mindset for this team to keep them in it for life. Because if you keep moving, you're going to feel better. You're going to build confidence. That's such Step a good example because I always, that exact example about going on vacation, like I come back and I feel like shit. Uh, and yeah. this idea of like, quote, just get back on track. And I always say that like, it's the only way you're going to understand the advice of just get back on track, it's going to be fine, is to do it in the moments that you are unsure if it works or not. Like the only way to know that that works is have, ha having done it. And so there is a moment where you need to keep moving, you know, keep keep showing up without the knowledge that that's going to be a good outcome. Like you need, to, it's that moment of doing it before the belief. It's like the action before the belief. You can't. You can't wait to believe something that's true and then have that ignite some action. There's a moment where you have to act on this and you have to get back on track. You have to, whatever that is, maybe get back to tracking, get back on your deficit or get, just get back yeah. in the gym after a layoff or an injury. And only in doing it in the moment where you're not sure if it's gonna work 
and then finding out that it does work, that's how you get that confidence. I wrote keep showing up when you were talking because I feel like there's a confidence of like, of, of, of you now, if you, we're going to talk about your injury in a bit, but like you coming back from that injury it probably had such a good long-term impact for you because you're like, you know what? It actually turned out fine. And the next time shit hits the fan, I know that if I keep showing up, it's going to turn out fine because I did it even when I wasn't sure that that's how it would go. Exactly. Yeah. Sure. I love that. Yeah. That's that's a great one. Let's talk about your injury. I don't, I'm not really sure what happened. I've seen you talk about it on social media. You hurt your back for somebody who's like a serious lifter like yourself that can be like mentally debilitating. So t talk me through what happened and let's talk a little bit about how it might've changed you along the way. Yeah, I think reflecting now on this injury, it was honestly exactly what I needed to happen. And it was probably the best thing that could have happened to me in the gym. And I, it's like, honestly changed me forever. Like, I think I'm gonna always talk about this injury that happened back in 2021, even when like I'm 97 years old. <laughs> um, but yeah, so last year, last May, I experienced my first, I will say real injury in the gym. And I've been training for 10 plus years now. So this was the first injury that really took me out. Um, bulging disc, lower back um, last May. So do you want details on like what happened? Like sure, yeah. I mean, if you want to share, you don't need to. Yeah, I'll, I'll try and make that part quick. Sure. But it was, I was doing light RDLs, like relatively light load RDLs. I felt something kind of didn't feel great, but I made the decision to push through the rest of my training uh, session pretty hard in terms of weight. Like I went heavy, heavy lunges after that and then heavy deficit straddle lifts. And that's ultimately where I went wrong. I think if I had felt the weird pain in the RDL and just decided to be the smartest worker in the room, um, I probably would have avoided the next 12 weeks of rehab and pain. So um, after that, yeah, it took me 12 weeks to become 100% pain-free after that. Um, I went to, I went to, I was seeing a PT once a week. Um, I didn't touch a barbell for 12 weeks. So it was hard because I was, I was like crushing my training and feeling pretty strong um, leading up to that point. But yeah, this injury was the, it gave me so many lessons. Um, I would say I went from the hardest, I always say this, I went from the hardest worker in the room to now the smartest worker in the room. And I feel like it will never happen again because I know how to make smarter decisions. Um, but yeah, so I was, I was in pain for 12 weeks, didn't touch a barbell. And now almost a year later, I'm fully healed. And I would say probably the strongest I've ever been as well. That's awesome. There's, there's yeah. a maturity aspect of that. Like a, not a mature, like a, as your like yeah. personality, but like as a lifter, like a more, becoming a more mature lifter, understanding a little bit of your own like personal load management and like when you, what your breaking points really do feel like stuff like that. Yeah. And some things that I learned through it were don't ever stop moving or training. I think that a lot of people experience injuries and they think I just need to lay on the couch and let this rest. And that's 99% of the time, the worst thing you can do is stop moving. I didn't ever stop moving for the full 12 weeks. I still came in here every day. I was just 
training a little bit differently. Obviously, body weight, core stuff, upper body focus. Was that PT oh. advice? Was that advice you had from PT or is that something you knew to do? Yeah, I think just with my training background, I already really valued pain-free training and I and I was good at like experimenting with stuff and like and walking away from something if there was pain. Um, so that wasn't the biggest takeaway from PT. I think the biggest reason I kept going to PT is because I needed to feel support and I needed to feel like I was going to be okay because it was, it was like such a lonely time because when you, 12 weeks in the grand scheme of things is so short, but when you're in it, it's like you're sitting there minute by minute, like, when am I going to heal? When am I not going to be in pain? Like getting out of bed, moving, getting into bed, sitting on the toilet, everything. Um, so it just, it went really slow. And like, so I would, I would always go in there and just, I, I just needed someone there to support me. And that's another value of having a coach. Sometimes you don't, you don't necessarily need to be told exactly what to do in the gym, but you just need someone there to guide you in these hard times. Like I have many women who go through injuries themselves. And I think them seeing me go through mine and my process and how I was able to overcome it, it, it helps them kind of go through theirs too. Yeah. I haven't had as serious an injury as that. I suppose a back is more serious than a knee, I guess maybe, but I've had um, some patella issues and had to not squat for the, for like, I don't know, six to eight months. And that's not fair. Not, not, not squat, but not take it as seriously, perhaps from a load perspective that I would have liked to. And it was actually my first injury ever. I was probably, I don't know, five years ago or so. Um, and working with a PT on online actually. And the first thing we did was squats. And I had, I had initially just backed off of all knee flexion work, all like lower body loading stuff, still doing some RDLs. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm just waiting for it to get better. And I just remember day one on my program with my PT was like three zero three zero back squat. And I was like, yeah. I was like, what the? F I was like, what the fuck are we doing? And it just was a such a good reminder. And it's funny, I have a lot of, since that time. I have a lot of friends that are PTs. One of my best friends now is a good PT. And just understanding that like the worst thing I could have done was was nothing at all. Now I'm sure there are moments where that is what you should do, but most of these injuries that people are going through, the worst thing is like, well, I'm just gonna drop everything altogether, do nothing and yeah. fucking wait until this is fine. Yeah, and, and that's obviously not good physically and that's terrible for your mental health too. So and that will go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, sorry. And that will just prolong your recovery process. I believe that because I stayed moving the entire time and I chose a zero on the pain scale for 12 weeks. That's why I was able to fully recover from this. Has it changed how you, maybe not necessarily nuts and bolts of your programming, but maybe yes. some of the communication behind some of the other things, how people should be handling similar scenarios. Has it changed anything from what you do in your group? Yes. Um, mindset wise, being able to walk away from, let's say if strength is programmed and, and you're, and you're performing your warm up sets and they're all slow and they don't feel that good. Knowing if you should really push for that PR or not, or if maybe this should be a back down day, like we should lift less weight. Um, little technique things. I'm, I'm more dialed into that form is more of a priority than ever, which it always has been, but just even more after going through that. Um, and really like valuing, varying my intensity instead of going ham all the time. And I even like made that 
post about that today, how I, on purpose, I did like one set of everything instead of three. I pulled back on purpose because I now can see the bigger picture of my training. It's not one training session at a time. Instead, I like to look at my training over a course of a week. And I like to be very selective with where I'm gonna push, where I'm gonna maintain and where I might pull back in order to recover better um, and be able to hit those PRs and apply progressive overload but also recover well and, and keep training as smart as I possibly can for the long term. I'm in it for the long term. It's, it's a different mentality too. And like a lot of people will join the program. They're like, I want to squat X amount. I want to deadlift X amount. And I want to do it by this time. And, and, and now I'm watching all of their mindsets evolve to more like I'm training for life. Like I want to do, I want to be, I want to move with a barbell in my hands until I die. And so that means that we are prioritizing technique, recovery, and pulling back when we need to. Yeah. It's just a different mindset. So many like people who, and like Squat University, I don't know if you follow him, but like he made a, he makes great posts all the time, but he, he had like some strong, huge, strong guy talking about how being the smartest worker in the room will take you so much further than being the strongest lifter in the room. Like it's not about, and, and it's, and that's okay to have performance goals. I still have, like, I want to deadlift 405 pounds. Like that's my personal performance goal that I'm working towards now. But even more than that, I want to deadlift for the rest of my life. So that's the mentality switch. Yeah. There's a, uh, something it, you have to be very wise to have the opinion that you have now without getting injured first. And it's funny. Cause like, you know, you feel this way because you got injured. It's like now your job to like pay this forward to people to hopefully move them along the spectrum of only performance-based goals to like, hey, I'd like my performance to be high when I'm 90. And it, like you want, it's just like a, a parent trying to help their children not make their mistakes. And I think yeah. that is totally true. I, I have, it's funny because you, you almost, I don't ever want to come across as someone who looks down on performance goals, but I might say that over the course of my training, aesthetic and performance goals have taken a backseat to what you're talking about, which is like, man, holy shit, I want to be strong and fit. For I'm going to be in the top 1% of fitness for my age. That's my goal forever. And that looks thing looks different across the lifespan, but maybe that is, maybe that is, it's not like sometimes we, I'm not saying we let people make mistakes or anything like that, but sometimes I think it, there is something about being like a young, hungry in your 20s you know, even if you start in your teens where you're like real performance or aesthetic driven and you're like all in, you're invincible. And there's some sort of an arc where it's like, sometimes that's good because that, that gets you falling in love with the lifting and the training. And then there is yeah. a fundamental shift. I don't know when it happens. It happens differently for everybody where they do make this maturity switch of like, maybe I'm not just in this to grow my glutes, you know, as much as possible. Yeah. That can be something that's there too. But I'm also like, you know, I, I'd love to do this with better technique and, and pay homage to the, te to the movement and make sure I'm doing it well and make sure my tempo is good so I don't get hurt. Um, yeah. And I'd love... I'd love, like you, I'm sure would love to be moving people closer to that mentality without yeah. them having to get injured first in order to feel that. But I know that you feel that because you got injured and you're like, ah, shit. Like I, it, your goal went from, I want to be super jacked. I want to deadlift 405 to like, I don't want to get injured. And I want that stuff too. But more than anything else, I don't want to ever be injured if I can help it. I want to be strong and fit and pain-free. And so that like pain-free priority has just 
skyrocketed to the top of my priority list. If I can get jacked and strong along the way, totally. But I really want to be doing this, yeah, for forever. You get your most jacked and strong if you're pain free. Yeah. And I think people think that if you're constantly battling aches and pains and injuries, and you're having to go to a chiropractor every week and a PT every week, and like that's not good. And that's and you're not going to be your most jacked or or healthiest if you're if you're with if you're with that mentality yeah, i so. bet the i bet the really strong i bet the like super fit jacked 80 year old dude also isn't the guy who's had like seven shoulder replacements and knee replacements and been injured every yeah. year and that's probably true yeah i mean yeah there's there's different like you see you hear about all the i mean there's even people who comment on my thing like don't lift that you're gonna be old and broken like me one day like people always say that stuff but yeah i guess it just depends on the person but i think the earlier you can adopt this mindset the better and yeah. that's why i love when like teens or women in their young 20s come in to train with katie and they start thinking that way and i'm like you guys are so ahead of the game and you're gonna set yourself up for a lifetime of long-term success with this training stuff because it at the end of the day it's it's a thing that we want to do for the rest of our lives to make us feel amazing for life. That's how I see training. It gives me energy and enthusiasm to live my life the way I wanna live it. Yeah, let's stay on that. Let's talk about training for life without getting bored because I think that there's, it's not everybody's thing where I know personally that even though in my current life, I'm 31, you know, we're, we're getting married, we're going to have kids. And even in my life right now, I'm, I'm not as ambitious with my own personal goals that, that I love training and that no matter how out of love I feel like I am with it, every single time I'm in the middle of a workout, I go over to Jenna, I like tap her and I'm like, it fucking feels I amazing. I was like, I fucking feel yeah. amazing. Every single time I, we get back in the car and I'm like, it just a good workout. It just it, for me and for me, it cha totally changes it. So how do you, if you're not that person, let's say, and, and maybe, maybe you, are a little bit that person, but how do you, tr how do we navigate this like training for life without getting bored while still doing the basics and not fucking shocking the body bullshit, but still doing enough to be mentally stimulated? I mean, how do we handle that? Over the years, I've gotten better at like coaching this um, through one kind of like me leading by example. Like I show my girls like I'm doing the same shit week after week, but I'm just getting a little bit better. And, and then I have, I have so many girls bought in and, and they believe in this too. So they're also doing the same shit week after week and they're too getting a little bit better. And so it kind of, again, it's that community aspect. It feeds off of each other, which has absolutely helped push that movement forward and actually show people what works. But yeah, the basics win. We all know that the basics are the best way to both get stronger and optimize your physique gains. Um, in the gym and then boredom i always say boredom is a mindset not a circumstance and i wrote that on my post today too um talk about that so, yeah so it's it's more so just the way that you're thinking about your training so it's like oh i'm bored i want to do something else and it's like instead it's like i'm going to squat again and i'm going to get one percent better at this squat and I'm gonna keep doing that for the next year. And like, to me, that's fucking exciting because my, my squat can look and feel so much better a year from now if I keep squatting every week. Um, and I, I just have, I honestly have a team totally bought into that. So I don't have to like fight that anymore, which is awesome. I think that's like, 
such a good thing too. Like over the last almost 10 years of, or eight years of being a trainer, I had to fight so much. I had to fight like the women getting bulky and like doing yep. the same stuff week after week. Yep. And now it's like, I don't have to like fight that stuff anymore. And I think it's really just the power of community and more people believing in it and more people showing it and being examples and leaders. It, it's also yeah. very, uh, not lucky, but it makes it, it is an easy discussion that when we talk about this idea of like getting bored, what we're really talking about is like, some amount of variation over time and so like let's take variation let's look at it on a graph it's like really like a u-shaped curve like no variation ever is probably not the best way to do it and changing things up every single time you go into the gym is also probably not the best way to do it and so we have some amount of variation lucky for you and me who kind of do want to preach a bit more on the side of like maybe less variation maybe more consistency maybe more pursuit of getting one percent better at these you know basic five movement patterns or whatever that that is also the best way to make gains like it's not even like it's not even that i'm just like wanting you to do this, the same shit. i'm i'm wanting you to do those things because those are also the best ways to actually see tangible progress plus it plus there might be other benefits but it's a nice sell that you're also like hey like us doing the same thing for six to eight weeks is exactly how we do make the best gains. So it's not just, I'm not like hammering this home for no reason. Uh, I'm having you do the same shit because this is actually how we make the best results. Yeah. And then those who show up and, and commit to it, they, they, they show that it works. Like they're like, I, my squat is clicking or my, I feel more confident in my squat or I put more weight on the bar or, and they, and they feel amazing. They don't feel bored. <laughs> So, and I would say that the same person who feels bored, so let's say you have somebody who does feel bored and you go, you or someone in the group or the community as a whole comes to the, you know, comes to the aid of this question and says, Hey, I hear you. I understand. Maybe you come from a shock of the body. Just if I can maybe do a little boot camp, maybe a CrossFit class where there is a ton of variation. Maybe you come from that background, but in order to achieve the best gains, we are going to have some sort of consistency, blah, blah, blah. This person still doesn't feel like this is what they want to do. My take is that's awesome. That's great. You get to now make it an informed decision on what you want to do. And you've heard that this is this being doing more of the same stuff, a little bit less on the scale of variation is probably best for gains. You know that, and you still are preferring to do different things. That's awesome. Go do that. I just made a post the other day about how like you could be super fit and healthy exercising almost randomly throughout the week, going to a class that does something totally different. You could be fit and healthy. You could, you won't be the most jacked. You won't be the fastest. You won't jump the highest, but you know, yeah, that's great. And if you're bored doing, if somebody comes to your TWK and they ask, Hey, I'm bored after three weeks of doing the same shit. And then you communicate all the truth about why you guys are doing this. And that person says, that's cool. I don't want to do that. Well, that's awesome. Then that's great. It's our job just to make people make informed decisions with the best information. Yeah, I think rule number one is that you have to enjoy what you're doing because if you don't enjoy it, you can't, you're not going to be in it for the long term. It's a can of worms though. <laughs> Enjoyment is yeah. a can of worms because like, you know, the, do you enjoy every single workout, right? And where do we draw the line of like, do I enjoy the workout or do I enjoy the results? And which of those things like reigns supreme, you know? Yeah, I, I, I always talk about enjoying it in the process. I, like some things that I say is like, make your outfit cute, play some good music, hype yourself up before you go to the gym, dance between sets, like make your training sessions fun. It's at the end of the day, like you're responsible for like, if you're bored, you're responsible for taking yourself out of that mindset and, and making it more fun. And then if, yeah, if you want a different style of training, then for sure, go do that and enjoy yeah, your level. Totally. Yeah. With, with my one-on-ones, I will stress a bit more of like, 
uh obviously we can go a bit more granular when we are doing that than if you have a group of hundreds of people um probably yours is probably thousands and thousands of people and so um with the one-on-ones i'll actually talk a bit more about like hey we have you know five different variations of this exercise that we could do we want to hit a lengthened quad we could back front we could back front back squat front squat split squat hack squat leg press and so you know you might actually start to kind of you know obviously we both have group programs where we're not doing that but like you might find that you love certain exercises and you you i don't know how twk exactly works but you might have people who are like hey i'm gonna lock and load into a sumo deadlift because that's something i really love even though other people are doing conventional or something like that Yep. I, I, with deadlift specifically, I say play to your strengths. If you love conventional, you can push conventional. If you love sumo, you can push sumo and you can hit the prescribed reps. So I'm always, I'm always pushing play to your strengths, do what you want to do. Like I have girls coming in tonight and, and I'll be like, what do you guys want to do? Like I let them choose because some of them want to push their squat. Some of them want to push their deadlift. And then we work, we work around that. So it's definitely finding what you love and going after it. Yeah, that's definitely, you got to, there is a combination of enjoying it in the moment and enjoying the results. Like people are always like, I'd like, I want to have fun in my workouts. That's cool. I get that. Yeah. I want to enjoy it during it too. But like, there's some element of like every, everything you've done in your life that has brought you joy or most of the things have been some form of delayed gratification, not a combination of gratification during and gratification afterwards. And so there's some element of, we understand the concept of do something now that we don't love. Now I'm not saying you shouldn't love your workouts. I actually think that on some level you should be enjoying it, but there's a, there is a, you cannot uh, break away the, the enjoyment that comes from doing it and from the results. They are, they come together. And so even if you're like, man, in the middle of this workout, it's hard, I'm huffing and puffing, it's painful, whatever. You're doing it because the juice is worth the squeeze. And I feel like some people forget that. They're like so concerned with every minute of the workout being enjoyable that they're like, but I actually, I want this goal of, you know, whatever goal, strength, muscle gain or whatever, not realizing that that might mean doing X, Y, and Z that you just said you didn't love so much potentially, whatever. Yeah. It's learning that balance, having fun and learning how to really push yourself. Yeah. Awesome. We have to talk a little bit about our dogs. I've heard your dog is the greatest name. Uh, Can we talk? Yeah. Can we say hi? What is your dog's name? Sleeping the whole time. This is Gluteus Maximus. Yeah. It's awesome. How old is he? (laughs) He or she? Uh, he, um, he is three and a half. I got him like two days before I got this gym. So he has, does he live totally, in the gym? He lives with me in the gym. He's totally comfortable around the weight. So that's awesome. He's a little gym pup. Yeah. That's what great. about your, my, mine is Callie. She's two and a half. She's two and a half now. My little angel. She's a half Havanese Shih Tzu. Um, she's Aww. such a sweetheart. Love her to death. Yeah. She's definitely, uh, we have a, I just built out a, a bit of a home gym. So she definitely comes to hang out there. And that has been yeah. more than me enjoying my time down there. It's just like me, Jenna right. and her being down there. It's been awesome. Yeah. Just hugging our dogs between sets. Totally. That's another way of training fun. Yeah. yeah. If you, if this is, a, this is the, going to be the clip that we take from the podcast. Like if you're not having fun yeah. in your training, buy a dog, bring it to the gym. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You've been super generous with your time. Please plug away where people can find you. And then I will let you get out of here. Yeah. So I am, I'm mainly just on Instagram, Katie Sonier, K-A-T-I-E-S-O-N-I-E-R on Instagram. And then my website is www.katiesonier.com. And there you can check out more info on my online training program, Train with Katie. So awesome. Those are the yeah. All righty, Katie. Thanks so much for coming on and I'll uh, talk to you later. Sounds good. Thank you, Jordan. Alrighty. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Where Optimal Meets Practical. 
If you liked the episode, it would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media or left a five-star review on iTunes. That stuff really helps. If you ever want to get in touch with me, just shoot me a DM on Instagram, at Jordan Lips Fitness. I'm always around to chat. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.